Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. And every week we seek self-discovery through fashion. Yes, we force the best friends to endure invasive makeovers, and we shamelessly flirt with our step-siblings. Well, really we don't, but it fits the theme of this week's show. <laughs> All that in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets. Hey, no sloppy seconds here. This week we're talking retailers. Statistics on monthly retail sales are due out in just a few short days. Or a few long days, depending on uh, which retailer you are these days. If you're working for Payless, it might seem a little longer. Yeah, we'll preview the report and detail the troubles that the retail sector has seen lately. The number of bankruptcies in the industry continue to mount. We'll put the recent problems in perspective and take a look at some of the new additions to the bankruptcy list. And we'll also check in on our good friends at the Fed. Hopefully policymakers at the central bank are more than clueless about what to do with interest rates. <laughs> we'll make sure, though. First, we'll examine what the Fed's minutes told us about the future of monetary policy. Then we'll dive into the latest jobs report and look at what that means for both the economy and for interest rates. And as always, we'll try on some of the uh, funkier outfits hanging in Wall Street's closet. As soon as we get rid of the mothballs, we've got Uber using psychological tricks to get the most out of their drivers. We've got the IRS turning to private debt collectors. We've got real-life college scholarships for video games. <laughs> Good news if you're Lonzo the Ball of Halo. And we've got yet another business for Amazon, showing football games. Yes, this is the uh, I Have Direction episode of Offbeat Wall Street. So, Josh... Have you given any thought to a little discussion about corporate law? Yeah, you know, but I think I'd really like to check out environmental law. What for? You want to have a miserable, frustrating life? Oh, Josh will have that no matter what he does. At least he knows what he wants to do. And he's in a good college. I'd like to see you have a little bit of direction. I have direction. Yeah, towards the mall. Well, some key economic data is due out this week. A report on retail sales will give a good look at the health of the consumer. Now, the data comes. It's what's been a bit of a troubling time for the industry. The past few months have seen some of the highest rate of retailer bankruptcies this decade. No surprise then that retail sales were sluggish in February. A report released last month showed a tenth of a percent increase for the month. Now, that was in line with expectations, but it was a notable step down from the previous month. January's retail sales were up six-tenths of 1%. February sales were 5.7% compared to the same month last year. As we said, it's been a rough few months for retailers. There's been a spike in bankruptcies from a number of big-known industry players. And there are a number of well-known names that are hanging on by their fingernails. I'm looking at you, Sears. Now, this week, we've got another name added to the list of retailers going belly up. It appears that shoe retailer Payless Shoe Source has announced that it has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Now, it's part of its restructuring. The company says it'll close nearly 400 stores in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. With Payless's announcement, the number of bankruptcies so far this year already tops the tally for all of last year, and that's according to numbers reported by CNBC. Yeah, this is not fake news, surprisingly. <laughs> the same stats suggest that this year could be one of the biggest for retail bankruptcies in quite some time. If the current pace continues, the total number of filings could match the highest total since 2009. Flashback to that year when 18 retailers went belly up. Well, this week, we'll also see the release of some key data about inflation. The first of these will be the Producer Price Index, and that measures wholesale inflation. Last month's report showed about a three-tenth of a percent increase in February. That was down from the six-tenths of a percent increase that was seen the previous month. However, it was still well above the tenth of one percent advance that economists were predicting. 
Core producer prices, which exclude the volatile food and energy sectors, climbed by three-tenths of one percent as well. This followed a four-tenths of a percent increase in January. February's increase in core prices was also a bit more than expected. Economists had expected an increase of two-tenths of a percent. Now, in general, increases of a tenth of a percent and two-tenths of a percent are considered normal, tame inflation measures. More than two-tenths of a percent, that's considered hot and maybe signs that inflation's picking up. However, economists don't put much stock in one month's data. They don't start to worry until there's a clear trend of strong price increases. Still, though, consumer core prices have been elevated in recent months. Economists will likely look closely at this month's report to see if a trend is forming. Even if there's signs of elevated price increases for producer prices, it's still one step removed from retail prices. Now, the PPI measures wholesale inflation. Companies can choose whether to pass on the higher prices. Otherwise, they can hold retail prices steady and take the hit to their profit margins. More important to you or me is the Consumer Price Index, which measures retail inflation. That report is due out at the end of the week. Now, last month's figures show that uh, there was a tenth of a percent increase in February, which matched expectations, and this followed a sharp six-tenths of a percent rise that was seen the previous month. Core consumer prices were up two-tenths of a percent, following a three-tenths of a percent rise in January. The increase in core prices also came in line with expectations. Daddy's a litigator. Those are the scariest kinds of lawyers. Even Lucy, our maid, is terrified of him. And Daddy is so good, he gets five hundred dollars an hour to fight with people. But he fights with me for free because I'm his daughter. Well, looky what we've got. We've got some information. I've got the Fed's beige book right in my hands. No, I don't. No, no, really. Stand down. Don't don't come and arrest me. I, I really don't have them. It's just a photogenic copy that I got off. Never mind. But we do have information about the Fed last week. Yeah, the central bank released the minutes of its last policy meeting. Now, this gives a detailed record of what policymakers discussed in making their interest rate decision. Now, at its last meeting, the Fed once again raised its benchmark interest rates. The minutes show that they intend to keep edging rates higher in a gradual way. In addition, policymakers said they wanted to take on the Fed's bloated $4.5 trillion balance sheet this year. The Fed's been using this as a further stimulus, along with record low interest rates during the slow years following the financial crisis and the Great Recession. Now the Fed wants to start rolling this back, too. The minutes show that policymakers were unsure whether to phase out reinvestment of principal payments or cut them off at once by the end of the year. However, those involved in the discussions agreed that the Fed's intentions regarding reinvestment policy should be communicated to the public well in advance of an actual change. Thank you. We appreciate that as us being the public. And the Fed members also had something to say about the stock market. The minutes said that there was talk that equity prices were potentially too high. To quote the minutes directly, quote, Some participants viewed equity prices as quite high relative to standard valuation measures, unquote. The minutes added that, quote, A few participants attributed the recent equity price appreciation to expectations for corporate tax cuts or to increased risk tolerance among investors, rather than to expectations of stronger economic growth, unquote. And you can tell that was obviously written for print, not for the ear. Right for the ear. Just saying, that's Broadcasting 101. Anyway, in general, though, the minutes show that Fed members were in good spirits about the economy. Maybe they had some good spirits before the meeting. We don't know that. But it especially noted strong job growth over the December to February period. Of course, at the same time, policymakers didn't know about March's numbers. That would have been the future, of course. That report came in much worse than expected. Government figures released Friday show that non-farm payrolls grew just 98,000 in March. That was a bit worse than the 180,000 increase that economists had expected. Moreover, February's growth was revised slightly lower. 
The new figures showed growth of 219,000 jobs in the month, and that was down from the 235,000 that was originally reported. The report wasn't all bad, though. The unemployment rate dipped in March, even despite weaker-than-expected job growth. The jobless rate fell to 4.5% compared to the reading of 4.7% in February. This was its lowest level since May 2007, when the unemployment rate reached 4.4%. All right, let's take a look at what the markets are looking for from the next Federal Reserve meeting. The central bank's next announcement is set for May 3rd. Right now, there's almost zero chance that the Fed's going to raise interest rates at that meeting. Trading in Fed fund futures suggests a nearly 96% chance that rates will remain steady through the May meeting. There was also a 96% chance that the Indians were going to win the World Series. How did that work out? Looking further out, a hike looks likely at the Fed's June meeting. Trading suggests a better than 60% chance of a rate hike at the end of that meeting. I'm also predicting there's a better than 60% chance that we just lost all of our fans from Cleveland. Oh, sorry about that. Truth hurts. What can I say? Isn't my house classic? The columns date all the way back to 1972. Wasn't my mom a Betty? She died when I was just a baby. A fluke accident during a routine liposuction. I don't remember her, but I like to pretend she still watches over me. Okay, each week we like to wander off the beaten path a little bit, take a look at some money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time to peek through the weeds and the shrubs, then take a look at some of our quick hits. All right, well, first off, we've got a couple from Uber. Now, first, the ride-hailing service has been accused of using psychological tricks to influence the behavior of its drivers. Yeah, according to the New York Times, the company has been using, quote, an extraordinary behind-the-scenes experiment in behavioral science to manipulate drivers to work for more time, unquote. The report says that Uber used psychological inducements and other techniques unearthed by social science. The goal was to influence when, where, and how long drivers work. And, of course, that being posted in the New York Times, I'm sure President Trump is preparing about 20 tweets about that article as we speak. Whatever, he's the president, I guess he can do whatever he wants. Hey, speaking of those Uber drivers, a new report shows that more than 8,000 Uber and Lyft drivers have been pulled off Massachusetts roads. Now, that's after they failed a new state background check. The Department of Public Utilities said that the drivers were rejected for infractions ranging from violent crimes and sexual offenses to suspended licenses. Yeah, I wouldn't really consider those minor infractions. After the state-run background checks were completed this week, those drivers were dismissed by their companies. According to the records released, the state reviewed the criminal and driving records of about 70,000 Uber and Lyft drivers who applied for a state license. And among those, around 8,200 drivers, or 11%, were rejected. So, I guess before the background check, people in Boston had a 1 in 9 chance of being picked up either by a sexual deviant or a reckless driver. That sounds about right. Hey, moving on from driving in New England to other horrors. <laughs> Tax day's coming up, and here's another reason to hate the IRS. You, not me. I, I personally love the IRS. Yes. The Internal Revenue Service is resuming the use of private debt collectors. The program will start this month and is aimed at collecting unpaid tax debts. Now, in a statement, the IRS says it'll begin sending letters to a relatively small group of taxpayers whose overdue federal tax accounts are being assigned to one of four private sector collection agencies. The agency had stopped using private debt collectors in 2009 after it decided that IRS employees could do the work better. (laughs) Ah, That's funny. The new program was authorized under a federal law enacted by Congress in December of 2015. Now, the news comes amid a wave of telephone scams in which fake government agents contact taxpayers asking for the payments. Next up, a clear victory for the nerds over the jocks. The University of Utah has announced that it's forming the university's first college-sponsored varsity esports program. That's right. 
The university is going to offer scholarships for staying up late, playing video games, and chugging a ton of Mountain Dew. Yeah, the University of Utah varsity team will compete in the League of Legends as its first game this fall, with participation in more competitive eSport leagues to be announced shortly. The program will be sponsored by the EAE Video Game Development Program. The university expects the program to grow to a point where they can offer full scholarships to 35 students. Best scholarship ever. All right, finally, a turn towards a more traditional sport. It appears that Amazon, yeah, your favorite online retailer that uh, seems to be putting every other retailer out of business these days, it looks like they've acquired the rights to stream Thursday night football for the upcoming season. According to reports, Amazon paid $50 million to win the deal to stream the games. That was up from the $10 million that Twitter paid for the streaming deal last season. The streaming will be available to Amazon Prime customers. The games will be simulcast on the NFL Network and either CBS or NBC. So now it appears you have more options not to watch the Thursday night game. Share two minutes. So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Hey, thanks, everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. And, of course, while you're there, go ahead and rate and review the show. Pretty please. Good ratings help others discover it. It's very helpful. And make sure you let all your friends know. And make sure you let all the people in Cleveland that we alienated know that we still love them, even despite their team choking in the World Series that they're never going to forget. Anyway, you can check out our website at offbeatwallstreet.com, and you can also follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet. And the end of that is ST like you see on the street sign. And, of course, thanks to the big BS, Brian Stewart, for shoveling all these fine words and co-production onto the podcast this big heaping pile that we call Offbeat Wall Street. Thank you, Brian. Couldn't do it without you, buddy. Special thanks to our good friends at RTT News. They provide a lot of the news and stats we use in this here show. For up-to-date info on the markets, check them out right now at rttnews.com. And as we say goodbye, another weekly tip. Now, this time we're going to tell you a tip about putting on an effective presentation. Now, you might get stuck presenting to someone asking some tough questions, but don't get flustered. Just always know your source. What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. Have a great week, everybody.